Now the sermon today is entitled, Good News That Changed the World. The Good News That Changed the World. Let me just tell you up front that this sermon is going to have a lot of scripture in it because it is very important that we understand that what I'm fixing to share with you is right out of the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. It is one thing for God to say it. It's the other thing for the preacher to try to tell you what God said. But when the Holy Spirit that wrote the Scripture begins to work in your life to interpret the Scripture, good things begin to happen. And I want to bring to your attention today something that I really had not thought about a whole lot in recent days. I have through my ministry lifetime. But there's something going on today that is very obvious, and I hope you'll see that when I get through, to where we have missed the boat in understanding the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? And I can tell by looking at some of you, you say, Preacher, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I hope when I get through, you will know what I'm talking about. Because God's word is so clear about what he wants to do and the way he wants to do it on this planet. Those of us that know the scripture know that Jesus is coming again. He has fulfilled all the promises to come the first time, to live the sinless life, to put himself on a cross, to die for the sins of the world, and he's coming back again. And the message must be tied together. And as I open the scripture to you, I want you to be thinking as I preach to you this morning, do you agree with me that somewhere along the way, due to the fact that today our churches are less effective than they were in the 1950s, and we're on a downhill, because we have forgotten the gospel of the kingdom. We have centered in on our little things that matter, and little things do matter, but we haven't brought it together to understand what the Scripture clearly teaches that I hope these Scriptures will help you with today as they have helped me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, we read these words, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Lost people wanting to find their way home just may not be seeing the gospel, only hearing it. And they have turned off some of the things they've heard, but in reality, they're being turned off more by the things they've seen. Listen as I read further. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You notice, again, it talks about the life you live. 
the being living proof of a loving God to a watching world. But let's go on with the scripture. Acts 17, verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, listen to this sentence. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. My question is, have they come to Houston? Has God revealed himself in Houston, Texas, where we live? The gospel of this book. Are we living proof of a loving God? Are we just talkers and not doers? Are we centering on our idiosyncrasy doctrines and not putting it all together as to the message of the Holy Word of God? Now, here's a fact, folks. The apostles and first century believers did in a few years, without the aid of television, radio, high-speed internet, they did more then than we're doing today with all this put together. If you go back to the 1950s, if you were around Baptist churches in those days, we had a slogan, a million more in 54. Somebody came up the next year with, let's try to keep them alive in 55. (laughs) And those churches that call themselves Baptists reached more people in 1954 than are reaching today. Why? Why? Or does anybody care? As we look at the Word today, I hope it will come alive to you as it has to me. Whatever we're preaching and teaching today, as preachers and teachers, we're not getting the same results that they got in the first century. I don't really think most towns are scared of the Christians. I do not think most big cities in America make Jesus Lord. I sense just the opposite is taking place. I see us drifting away and in some instances falling away from the truth of the gospel. And here's what you're going to see in the message so you can be looking for it. The Bible talks about the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom. That includes us. We're a part of the kingdom. In other words, to have the whole gospel, you have those that tell the story, preach the message, share the good news, But you have to have those that receive the good news and their life gives evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ changes people's lives. And we're missing that. And you can look up any survey that's been taken and you will find out that in most cases, those that claim to be Christians' lifestyle differs very little from those that don't. So please listen with me. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, and that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. What did Paul say to the church at Corinth? He said, I hope, if you've seen me recently, there's been a change in my life. I'm not murdering Christians anymore. I'm not persecuting Christians. I'm not talking bad about Christians anymore because Jesus Christ changed my life. And I have been born again by the death, burial, and resurrection 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we are missing today in our preaching and we're missing in our living that Jesus Christ is alive. I'm sitting right now with those of you that are here on our campus in Houston on the Beltway where the big cross is. There's an open tomb right outside the door and many of you have not seen it and you've been here many Sundays. The devil has a way of keeping you away from the open tomb. He wants you to stay on the cross and there's, hey, we'd not be littling the cross. Don't you dare write me and say you put down the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there'd be no remission for sin. But the cross gains its meaning on Sunday morning. That's the gospel of the kingdom of God. He's alive. He is risen, as he said. And we sing that old gospel song. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. If that's true when you sing it, it'll be true while you live it out in the morning and the rest of the day and the rest of your life. The gospel of the kingdom takes us in. We are the heirs of God and the joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We are born again into the family of God. We have an old song we sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But as a part of the family of God, our lives are to be different. We are not just ordinary folks that come to hear the good news from the Scripture without living it in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 through 17, it says this, Paul writing to the church over at Corinth. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you're yet in your sins. Church people get so caught up in church life, they come on Easter. And they're going to hear about the resurrection of Jesus. But if a preacher preaches on it in June, he's gotten so old and senile, he can't even remember when Easter is. But let me tell you something, folks. The gospel of the kingdom of God is he's risen. He is risen. He is risen. And if that's not your testimony, if you feel like that God's up there somewhere asleep, one day he's going to come again, and he's going to take us, and he's going to judge us all, and, and you're better than all the people you go to church with, or you think you're in the upper 10%, you're in a heap of trouble. Because you see, what brings salvation is not coming to church. What brings salvation is being born again. And you cannot be born again unless Jesus Christ was born again in the resurrection. He came to life again. He was born into this world again. He came back into this world alive, alive, alive. But the message doesn't stop there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. As that was written to the church of Thessalonica, here's what Paul was saying. Okay, folks, we came to your town. We brought the gospel. We preached the gospel. But while we were there and you were around us, we prayerfully hope you saw Jesus living in our lives and that we came different from when we left. We were born again. Our lives changed. The message and the power of the kingdom of God is gone when the believers become conformed to the world. And they began to be just like the world, only with putting in a little money, giving a contribution, coming to church every once in a while, keeping a Bible out where other people can see it, but never reading it, never studying it, and never living it. That's the power of the kingdom. That's what seals the deal. People are born again. Their lives change. And they change forever. Faith is the simple but profound facts of the gospel. But they're not sufficient just the faith to save you. There's got to be a cross. There's got to be shed blood. And there's got to be a resurrected Lord. And there's got to be the power of the Holy Spirit living through the lives of those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the power of the gospel. It's not just about him. It's about us and the Holy Spirit living through our lives. James chapter 2 verse 19. You believe that there is one God. You do well. But it goes on to say the devils also believe and they tremble. You're not saved by believing there's a God. You're saved by being born again. And you're not born again if God doesn't live in your life. And if God lives in your life, you're different than what you used to be. And if he's not in your life, he wants to come into your life. And instantaneously, he can change you. And you're sitting in the midst of many, many, many that have been gloriously changed. By the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus came into their life. The true gospel. The good news. Is not only a fact. But it's anointed with power. If you were to talk to me personally and say pastor. You know I'm really struggling. I just don't seem to have any. I can't say no. I can't say no. I know I ought to say no, but I just can't. I mean, you know, all my friends, are, I mean, we go on and on. Let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ lives in your life and the Holy Spirit lives in your life, all power that's given in heaven and earth is in your life. And you can set the devil in his place. But if you just week by week struggle and you try and you say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray in the Lord my soul to take. You cross yourself. You do everything else. You know what you need? You need all of the gospel of the kingdom. You need the Holy Spirit in your life by invitation so God can live his life through you. 
And then when the enemy comes, the Lord says, would you just stand over there, John? I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. In that Romans passage in chapter 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now listen to this part. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith as it is written. The faith the first century apostles had is in your life right now if you've asked Christ into your life. And this book says no weapon is formed against you will prosper because it's an inheritance of the children of God. But you have to do it, and I have to do it God's way. The gospel of Christ was a gospel that was taught when Jesus was alive. He was preaching the gospel. But the whole Godhead is involved in the kingdom gospel. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all involved. And so we come and we take these words. And those of you that have done some serious Bible study know the word dunamis means dynamite. And that's the word that's used here. We get our word dynamite from the word dunamis. And that's where we get the word about the power of God, that it changes lives. It's the one when you're born again that the old things pass and the new things come. In Romans chapter 15, verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around about until Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. To fully preach the gospel of Christ, you've got to include all of it. It's not about just a cross, just a tomb, just a glorious event. It has to do with all of the gospel. All of us have sinned. None are righteous, no, not one. But there is one whose name is Jesus. And he's looking for people that will let him live in their life. And as we go into these days that are ahead, and I don't think they're going to get any better. I see no signs anywhere biblically that things are going to get better and better. I see many things happening that this book has prophesied, and I've known about it since I was a little boy, and now I'm seeing it happen. And it is going on all over the world. And Jesus says to those that he lives in their life and the Holy Spirit lives in their life, the Holy Spirit will show you these things. The Holy Spirit will give you power to have victory over these things. You won't become a part of the culture. You will stay with the part that you're in. I'm so glad I'm part of the kingdom of God. That's who I represent. And if they slay me, I'm going to trust him. That's kingdom gospel. That's tough stuff. And that's the very reason that many of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ because you know that you'd have to talk different, walk different, go to different places, do different things, think differently, and change your priorities. And you're not ready for that yet. So let me put it back and rewind this a little bit, and I'm going to put it where I hope everybody will understand this. What gospel did Jesus preach? What gospel 
did he preach that turned the world upside down? I'm going to give you some signs of it. Number one, it had power. It had power. Where does the power come? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. When that blood comes into your life through your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then all power is given to you in heaven and in earth. And the power that Jesus preached was that the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. So if a church is a real church, it has power. If you're a real believer, you have power. Number two, there was love. There was unity in the body. When one hurt, they all hurt. When one rejoiced, they all rejoiced. That's a true church. Churches all over America today are fighting and fussing. Every single day, churches are splitting. There's empty buildings all over this nation, all over this nation that were once churches, and they're empty right now as I'm talking to you. They may have a bale of hay in there that somebody's storing, but that's all. Because they fought and they fussed until the whole thing came crushing down. Listen, where God is, there's joy and there's unity and there's oneness and there's purpose. Where people are, if there's 50 people, there's 50 opinions. And if there's 5,000 people, there's 5,000 opinions. But when Jesus is Lord, there's one opinion. And when that one opinion is there, and that's one of the great things about Sage My Church, is our love and our unity that has allowed us these 53 years. And I beg every one of you that wants to, if you want to see and look about the minutes of this church from its beginning to right now, we love each other. We care about each other. We are serious about this. We don't say, I'll pray for you and then go and do something else. That's what a church is. That's what Jesus preached. In the early church, there were financial miracles. We've seen that here at Sagemont. Everything here is debt-free. God has provided. He has done incredible things in our midst. And the disciples were called into ministry in this first church. We've seen over 300 go out of our church as ministers around the world. The local church I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about, by the way, folks. Our families all over the world, the family of God. What is that church? Does it have power? Does it have love? Does it have unity? Does it have those things that represent the whole kingdom of God? Another thing they did, they took care of the needs of the families. And if you don't know anything about Helping Hands Ministry at Sagemont, you need to come spend a week over there. And you need to answer those phones. And you need to hear what's done when that phone rings. I mean, it's like a first-class fire department. Why? That's what a church is. Well, I'll tell you, I'm sorry. I heard you had a loss there in Harvey. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. You know what people might want to say? Well, why don't you come over and help clean it up? Oh, no, I'm going to pray. I'm a person of prayer. Well, put some feet on the prayer. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm struggling. You know, I can't pay my bills. Well, God bless you. I'm praying for you. Well, why not miss your meal today and let them go get a meal? Okay? See what I'm talking about? It's the walk, not just the talk. That's the kingdom's message. It's not about a bunch of biblical facts. It's about, again, a life changed by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus. 
Well, what are the mysteries of the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, it's a release of energy with great faith. It is a power of God's grace. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's a demonstration of God's supernatural work. For those of you that are born again, depending on what kind of life it was before you met Jesus, the further you were into sin, the more glorious is your testimony of how one day Jesus Christ changed my life. And you know what? When somebody's been running with you, sees a change in your life, they're going to be asking you, tell me how that happened. Tell me how that happened. And when they tell you, and they will be able to tell you, you'll see the gospel of the kingdom. In Matthew 13, 11, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to the world, to others, it is not given. Here's what it, our Lord is saying. We that study the scripture know because God said it. We didn't get it in CNN. We didn't get it on CBS, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, Houston Chronicle. None of it. It is recorded in God's Word. And the Holy Spirit opens us to the Word as to where He wants us to be. In Matthew chapter 13, these words were written about those people. It said, For this people's heart is waxed. This is in the 13th to the 15th verse of Matthew 13. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have not closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. You see, when the people of biblical times closed the door, the disciples walked out. They had done what they're supposed to do. They had cleared themselves of the blood being on their hands. And there are many churches where people can come week after week and never Hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one day, those churches will give an account to God. Why did you try to reach the people? Why didn't you let me come in and let me draw them to you? There's difference in me bringing them and him drawing them. But when he is lifted up, he draws all people unto him. You remember the parable of the soils, the different kinds of soils? There was a hard ground where well, there's hard hearts today. A heart that is hard is one that refuses to listen. Don't care. Don't want to read it. Don't want to come. I got more important things to do. That's the hardness of the heart. Matthew 4, 4. But he assured and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In John chapter 6, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word changes lives. He changes lives. All of us, all of us are going up against the enemy. But thanks to the power of the blood, we can be made whole. And then it talked about the shallow heart. 
the topsoil in the illustration of the parable. But in that shallow heart, our heart has a feel-good moment, but there's no root for growth. We feel good for a while. I hear people saying all the time, you know, I go to that church because they just make me feel so good when I go. Well, there's a lot of churches that make you feel good. But we're not here to feel good. We're here to be born again if we hadn't been, and if we have been, to get our assignment. Now, Lord, you blessed me this week. Now, where are we going next week? I can't wait to see what you've got planned for next week. Now, those with a shallow heart, they don't study the Word of God. They're not going to stay for Bible study today. They didn't come at 8 o'clock. They're not there now. They're not going to be there in the next hour. Why do I want to study the Bible when I can beat the folks to the cafeteria? I mean, who would be so ignorant to do something like that? I mean, you know, they're going to go feed on the Word. I'm going to go feed on the mashed potatoes and gravy or whatever. But God looks at us and says, shallow heart, shallow heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Sometimes I look out from the congregation, I try to look at you at least uh, one time, and some of y'all just look like you got it all together. So I'm suspicious of (laughs) y'all. But if you do, I I would like to spend some time with you. And you know what? I bet I'd find out that we wouldn't be there very long until we'd be kneeling at the feet of Jesus and saying, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Oh, my goodness. What a day, glorious day that's going to be when we see him. And, of course, he talked about the thorns, the thorny heart. We say, well, what kind of heart is that? Well, you know, a thorn starts off good until it gets a little older, and then it gets the point, and it gets strong, and that's when you stick it in your finger. And what happens to us is the world begins to choke out our growth and our intent of the heart. And the result is that we've had some success over here. We've made some money over here. We've gathered some folks that we call friends over here. And so I think I'm doing okay. Compared to most people, I think I'm doing pretty good. Well, you know what the Bible demands of those that come to the Lord? And this may keep some of you from coming, and I hope not, but it may. But when you come to God, and when I come to God, we lose control of our life. You say, nobody's going to take control of my life. I hope you'll let the Lord take control of it. Because, you see, when sin is in our life, our, our natural thing to do is what God hates. God wants us to let him take control. Every school, every corporation, every office, every neighborhood, every household, everywhere that we are the one that has come and understood the kingdom gospel and our whole life has changed because of it. The productive heart is in the 19th verse of Matthew 13. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes a wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the the seed 
into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and with joy receives it. Yet has he not root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the world, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches that choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But here's the winning sentence. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, bears fruit, and he brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. When God comes into your life, you can sing that old song, Oh, who will come and go with me because I am bound for the promised land. I don't know if you've ever gotten lost and knew you were lost, but I know one thing. First, you hope somebody knows where you are. Second, you hope they care enough to come get you. And when you start following, you hope you know, they know where they're going. Otherwise, you're going to still be lost. There'll just be four of you instead of two of you. So God comes along and says, just follow me. Just follow me. Just follow me. But the kingdom of God is just God ruling our heart. Through the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. But Matthew goes back and he gives us another warning. And it's in the seventh chapter. He says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. That's the message, folks, to you this morning. Hear him. Don't hear the preacher. Hear him. Follow him. You'll find no fault in him. You will see him changing your life where you'll think different, prosper differently. You'll see all of these good things. But it starts with a prayer. It starts with a prayer. In Matthew 6, 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then in the 13th verse, And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then that gospel becomes our number one priority. It's all about him and his word. In Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. That's where we are. The signal is going out all over the world right now. Missionaries are scattered throughout the world, but the numbers are decreasing. The numbers are decreasing. The storms are churning. The fires are burning. The earth is quaking. The sins are epidemic. And we just go on playing church. Unless we can understand the power of the kingdom of God. It's all about him. I found this interesting in my study. In the Gospels, the word church is mentioned three times. Three times. And the words, the kingdom of God, 
are mentioned 120 times. You know what that told me? God's not waiting on the organized church. He's waiting on people to meet him and become a part of the kingdom of God. It's not about any one church, but it is about one God. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so he says, I don't want you to feel like you come to me and then go do your own thing. You come to me, the Father will live in you. The Holy Spirit will give you power and knowledge and direction and comfort and wipe the tears from your eyes and set your feet on solid ground. If, if, if you're born again. May God forgive any of us if we tell you you can sign a card and drop it in a box and you're saved. May God forgive us if we tell you all you got to do is say these four, four, five, six, ten words and you're saved. You must be born again. Which means until we are sick and tired of living the life we're living and ready to be born again, the Savior's waiting. But it's the Father, it's the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you come and just get Jesus and don't get the Holy Spirit, you can do anything you want to and still enjoy it. But you're going to get the Holy Spirit. And where you used to have the time of your life and you were just a party, 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 you're going to not be the life to party anymore. You're not going to be welcome there. You say, well, I just hate to say goodbye to my friends. You don't have to. They'll say goodbye to you. (laughs) But for every one that you lose, God will give you ten. And they're real friends. Friends bless you. They don't use you. You know, but you got to do it God's way. You've got to understand that it's extremely important that we understand the kingdom vision. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, gospel, good news. We have to understand all of that and then receive it into our life. In Acts 1... Verse 2 and 3. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And verse 22 says in the fourteenth chapter we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Folks, it's not easy. It can be a bumpy road. It can be a real bumpy road. But we're going to get to where we're headed. The Lord holds his arms open and says, Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And when we all get to heaven, there'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more of those horrible things that we will go through in this life. The Bible says we will go through tribulation in this life. But when we get to heaven, That'll be in the past. And forever and forever and forever in our heavenly bodies we will live in the land that's fairer than day. And we'll sing his praises. And we will look to those former things that just tore our lives up growing up. They'll be gone. They'll be gone. No more hospitals. Gone.
I think there are going to be doctors in heaven and nurses in heaven, but there'll be no patients because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And by the way, as I close, you don't have to give, a, give any more of your blood. Thank you for all they all they give your blood. I appreciate y'all so much. God bless you. But when we get to heaven, it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. You know what the kingdom gospel did in the New Testament? It brought revival. When all the people finally understood it's about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the church is his bride, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have come together to become one. And when you put them all together, Acts 8, 8 says, and there was great joy in that city. But as the divisions are going on now in the household of faith, Matthew 12, 25, and I close with this scripture, and Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. We must understand the foundation and the power and the purpose of this life. It is kingdom gospel, not church gospel. You're not saved by your church. You're saved by your Lord. You must understand the Savior's waiting and says, for whosoever will shall come and drink of the water of life freely. They can come but he'll not push you.